The following is a recording of the Ayn Rand Institute's Philosophy for Living on Earth webinar series. Sign up to attend the next webinar live at bit.ly forward slash ARI webinars. Is Privilege Real? An interview with Gregory Salmieri. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this week's Philosophy for Living on Earth. I'm David Birnbaum, and I'm really excited for this week's because we are going to be discussing, discussing Is Privilege Real? With, Greg, with Dr. Gregory Salmieri. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'll just remind people at the outset that we will be doing a QA and a uh, with the audience towards the end as well. So if you're on Zoom, there's a Q&A um, button that you can join through or on Facebook, YouTube and Periscope, you can just add your questions in the comments and we'll be sure to try to get to them at the end. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Salmieri. Thank you, happy to be here, it's a privilege. <laughs> so let's jump right in. I don't know if the best question is to start with is, is privilege real or what is privilege? Do we have to define it before we can decide if it's real or not? Well, um, I think the way it's often used and the way that gives rise to the question, it's what Ayn Rand calls a package deal. But why don't you tell me a little bit first about what kind of questions or concerns you have about it that lead you to ask whether it's real in that form? And that might help uh, bring out what's worth uh, saying about that. Okay, well, so I hear about it all of the time in especially the kind of more, let's call it, left-wing circles on social media and traditional media. You know, I've, I'm told I have white male privilege and I can't even talk about issues that are about women or, you know, people of color and that I just have it easy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because of things I didn't choose. So uh, that's kind of the, I, the, the sentiment that I get of, around this idea of, of privilege. Okay, so, good. So then let's say a little bit about, uh, think a little bit about just what the word means in general outside of this context of, are you privileged as a man? Does that mean you can't talk about something? Which would seem odd because normally um, if you had privilege, you'd be able more to talk about it. Um, um, so what's the general usage of the idea of privilege? Uh, as indicated in my, it's a privilege to be here. Or you could say, I, I have the privilege of, um, doing this or meeting that, right? These, yeah. are, these are positive things, right? So a privilege in this sense is thought of as a good thing uh, and a good thing that's somehow special or rare. It's a good thing that I had. Not everybody would have it. Maybe I don't have it all the time. So it's a distinctive positive value or, or plus in my life, so to speak. That's what a, a privilege is, right? Um, mm -hmm. Well, then what's bad about it uh, when you're accusing someone of privilege? Well, I think two things are the idea behind it. Again, not to endorse the idea, but just to think what's going on. Um, maybe the idea is that you have this good thing unjustly, right? So I think there are two parts. You, the, the, it's a good thing you have that other people don't have, and it's unjust that you have it and others don't. Um, and two, and this goes to the you've had it easy, um, because you've had this unjust boon your whole life, allegedly, that others haven't had. You've had it unjustly, but even if it wasn't unjustly, you've had this boon your whole life that others haven't had. You're maybe um, unaware of uh, what it's like to be them. Mm -hmm. uh, you're unaware of the plight of people who were not born with a silver spoon in their mouth and white skin on their frame. And uh, therefore, when you try to, to uh, say things, it's perhaps ignorant, uninformed, so the idea goes, right? Um, you're not in a position to comment on it. And maybe you are uh, taking the opportunity to comment on it um, is, uh, and being heard when you don't know what you're talking about, allegedly, right? Is a kind of exercise of your special privilege or prerogative you had. They who know aren't listened to when they talk about it, but you who don't, aren't, why? Because you're somehow in a special position or elevator. So I think that's the idea that there's something good you have that's unjust. And uh, as a result of having it, 
it gives you some kind of authority over them. And as a result of this unjust position of authority, you are um, likely also oblivious. And I think that's, yeah, and I often hear it, like I rarely hear it not associated with my maleness or my whiteness or things like that. So it is as if there is privilege associated, like I have some sort of privilege that I have unjustly because I have it only because of these traits that I didn't earn or, or choose. So is that really the, uh, like the crux of the issue is that they're assuming privilege is unjust? I think there's a little more, I mean, I think in calling certain of the things they're calling privilege, privilege, they're making certain assumptions. And it, so the things you'll hear it about is you're, you're white, you're male, um, you're, I don't know if you're straight rather than, but if you're straight, uh, it, uh, if you're cis, as they now call it, rather than trans, that is, you are the, um, the sex and gender that people would assume you are to look at you, right? Mm -hmm. And that you were uh, assigned at birth, as they now put it. Um, you're uh, English speaking, you're uh, not disabled, right? These are the kinds of uh, things that people in America who are on about privilege would say give you privilege. You're yeah. not some member of, uh, well, some group that's thought to have disadvantages, or in many cases, it really does. Um, so let me say a little bit more about what I think is going into this idea, and then we can oh, think it out. Is there some reality behind this idea? Uh, is the, if the idea is mistaken in some way, what of the things that are contributing to it are real and what aren't, and what should we say about it? So I think in the whole way of talking about a privilege, and you'll notice I transferred into this pretty quickly when I was saying the privilege is a good thing and then the respects in which you might be privileged. Um, there's an additional develop, uh, element to it being a good thing. There's an idea of status or station. So if you think of the, um, the all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence. What's being rejected there, right, is the idea of a, a status society, a society in which there are stations. There's the king, and then there's the aristocrats, and then and this is allegedly natural. It's allegedly kind of built into the fabric of reality that we are born to be in these different stations in society. Um, and you have different, therefore, prerogatives, privileges, because of your station. The king can just, you know, say off with their head, and the nobles can do certain things and so forth uh, that the, the commoners can't do, and there are different privileges associated with higher stations over lower ones. Mm -hmm. uh, different special good things that the people in the higher stations had that the good ones, that the uh, people in the lower stations lacked, and these things were kind of authority or mastery. They're basically political power or degrees of political power. And I think almost all of the uses of privilege we hear now have that idea. You have more power if you're more privileged. And even before we started hearing a lot about white privilege and, and such like this, right, there was the talk of the privileged. If you were wealthy, it was described as privileged, right? This privileged person from in a big house in the suburbs or whatever, as opposed to this underprivileged poor person not about whether they're black or white or gay or straight or male or female, but about how rich they are. So what we have is a kind of association of economic status, right? How much money you have mm -hmm. with a kind of political status. And that's coming out of a kind of Marxist way of thinking of at the world. Um, it's not, according to this view, a real change that we had when we overthrew aristocracy, when we formed a country based on the premise that all men are created equal. Um, the reason why it's not a big change isn't that uh, there were still political dis distinctions between people. We still had slaves who were unfree. That is, I think, a valid criticism and a different criticism. But it's rather that, no, even if you have everybody's politically free, there's still the haves and the have-nots. A hungry man is not free. A rich man inherently has power over the less rich. Um, you can't draw this distinction between the political and the economic, between um, you know what you have and to have more money than someone is just to have power over them. And so if that's true, right, if that premise is true, then to be richer than someone, to have more than them, to have more opportunities in life in virtue of those riches, right, which afford you abilities to, to buy things, get a better education, et cetera. And education is another thing that people now refer to as you, you have the privilege of being with a college degree, right, um, mm -hmm. if you do it. Um, 
all of that, right, is something that puts you in a higher station in the world, gives you power and prerogatives over people who don't have it. And therefore, those values that you have um, are interpreted as um, a kind of political power that you have over and at the expense of others. So that kind of Marxist way of thinking about privilege, uh, particularly with, in connection to wealth, as tied to power structures and as being essentially political, is something that I think predates the, um, at least in the, in the popular vernacular, the use of privilege in um, race and gender contexts. That actually makes wrong. Uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I've never actually made that connection because I'm so inundated with white privilege and, and you know male privilege and those concepts that I've not made that connection to the privileged um, you know, upper class and how it may have been used in the past. So I really appreciate that. Um, and so outlining it in this way, how it does seem to be kind of a power claim, right? That I, it is like I have more ability to not necessarily not necessarily actively push someone down, but by nature of me getting ahead, I'm you know, getting ahead at the expense of someone else. And the, the claim is that it is then easier for me to do that than other people. And this is where, you know, I know people who have started off worse than me and gotten further ahead, but I also know that I have advantages over other people. It's easy. It was easy for me to go to university because I had the financial means and, and, you know, other things like that. So is it valid? Do I have these things and are they at the expense of others? Yeah, so there are two distinct issues here, right? or maybe more than two. One is, is it right to talk about having advantages over, the, over other people? Um, to think of these things as advantages. I mean, the, the, the concept of advantages, we, it, it, it makes it sound like you're competing in life with other people. Likewise, mm. getting ahead. Uh, if getting ahead just means you're on a path and you're further along on that path than you were, you're further towards your goals. Um, that's one meaning of it. But getting ahead is often used to mean getting ahead of other people. Um, and so there's a question of, is life essentially competitive in the kind of competition where you doing better means that someone else is doing worse? Uh, if that's true, then the way we think about any good thing you'll have, anything that's good for you, is we're going to interpret as bad for someone else. So that's one question. Is life a zero-sum game? Is life essentially competitive? I think it's not, and it's a really bad mistake to think it is, and that it leads to um, a lot of problems, the problems in the Marxist view that we talked about, we could talk about why they're problems. It leads to um, envy, and uh, it leads to people not appreciating the values in life and not appreciating major sources of value that they have. So that's one issue. Is, there, uh, is it right to think of yourself as having advantages over other people when you have advantages other people don't have? To have an advantage someone else doesn't have is to have something that will help you achieve your goal that, that the other person doesn't have, um, whether it's just or not for you to have that. But that you have an advantage he lacks doesn't mean you have an advantage over him. Over him implies that the goal you're trying to achieve is an object of competition with him. And while there are particular goals that might be like that, you, two of you are up for the same job. Mm -hmm. The two of you are competing in the same game or you're trying to date the same person, right? Okay, in that case, we can talk about an advantage over someone. But can you have advantages like that in life? Well, that depends on how we understand life and our goals in it. So that's one thing we should talk about. Well, um, so if if I can jump in and we can talk about that a little bit, you know, the job example is a good one. And it's also central to most people's lives, what their career is and things like that. And so there's this idea that, you know, I have a family that's well connected. So, you know, or people hire white people hire white people and white people have been in the power structures for longer um, is the claim, right? So then I am getting things even the even if it's a small percentage, the aspects of life that are somewhat more competitive, um, you know, I do have an advantage potentially because of these st status items or or things like that. 
So is that then valid? I'm trying to under I'm trying to make the case for privilege being valid yeah, so as presented. Another issue we have to bring in before we even, I think, really think about those cases, and that is the issue of injustice. So um, some advantages you might have over others might be due to injustice. It might be cases of injustice versus um, ones that are not. Um, that, that is, it's not an issue of someone's being unjust. So for example, if you have the education needed to do a job and I'm hiring for that job and someone else doesn't have that education and I hire you over him, well, you have an advantage over him in getting the job, you know more, you're gonna be more capable of doing the job. And so that's an advantage you have and it's specifically an advantage over him, he's in competition for something that you're better able to do than him. You, um, and, but if I hire you, I'm not being unjust. I'm reasonably judging you and him and your qualifications for the job. I'm doing what I ought to be doing and I'm hiring you. you had an advantage over him, but I, in hiring you over him was not unjust. Now, it may or may not be a result of some injustice in the past that you have this advantage. Maybe you were you know, given access to the university um, for some unjust reason and him denied it. But there's not an additional injustice, even if that were true, happening now. Uh, if I'm oblivious to that fact, then I just, I need someone who can, you know, code in Python and you can and this guy can't or whatever. Um, so we want to, um, think about, but, but anyway, but some cases are going to be actual cases of injustice. So um, present injustice right now, it's not that I'm hiring you because you're better able to code than the other guy. And there's a question as to some injustice in the past led to that situation, but I'm hiring you because you're white and I'm a racist. And either I'm an explicit racist who thinks black people are bad and I don't want to hire them. And then that's why I hire you instead. Or maybe I wouldn't say that, but you know, I just feel uncomfortable every time I'm around, I'm a black guy. And, and the reason is some prejudice I have and I feel really comfortable with you. And so I hire you. And then again, that's a case of injustice. Um, and so now we wanna know if you're getting opportunities other people aren't, uh, is that due to injustice or not? And how do we understand that injustice? And I think that's a much clearer way to think about it than to put it all together into the idea of you have a privilege that they don't have. Right, and so that makes a lot of sense to me and it brings up kind of two different aspects of what both might be lumped into the idea of systemic racism, right? So this idea that there are systems in place and I think that idea goes hand in hand with this idea of privilege. So one is that, you know, you many people might not know and you might not know you're racist, but really most people are racist, most people, do prefer, like white, straight white men would rather hang out with straight white men. So they're gonna hire them and that sort of thing. So that's one well, aspect of- Straight white men are known to like women, but, right. um, well, but sometimes so, in, in ways that are deleterious to the women, so. Right, well, so that's the one aspect of it. And the other aspect is the history of the country, right? So black people were slaves and then there was, you know, uh, civil rights issues and and, all of these systemic issues politically that the claim is that now they're still recovering and so that they don't have the advantages they can't get educated as equally as i can because of these issues so there's the human and the remnants of the political aspects that are both claims as to the systemic racism which is a big force as to why i have my privilege yeah i think and again, I, I think the term privilege confuses things and it should not, I don't use it. And I'll say more about why I don't use it uh, later when we talk about the issue of competition. But um, I, I mean, I think it's really toxic. I was complaining about the use of it while saying there are some true elements packaged deals into it. I mean, back years ago when we had a panel on racism and I predicted uh, what, that it would cause a real rise of racism. And I think it has done that. And I think it was a cause of it. Um, I think racism, explicit racism has become acceptable in America in a way that it has not been in a very long time or to a degree that it has not been in a very long time. And I think it's largely because of this issue, this, this way of characterizing uh, racial issues that has emanated from people who see themselves as advocates of the underprivileged or the unprivileged or the people of color or whomever it might be. Because it's not just race, it's also gender and uh, economic class and uh, sexual orientation and so forth. Um, 
but all of that. Uh, there's a kind of anyway. We'll talk more about that. Um, mm. well, where where was I? I was the um, is it, so the fact that there are and have been injustices against a lot of people for a lot of reasons, but especially, and I, I don't mean to, but by saying a lot for a lot of reasons, I don't mean to underplay any particular bunch. I'm just, it's not just privilege of whites over blacks that this issue comes up in, but also um, privilege of men over women, straights over gays, et cetera. But if you take the, the black case, which is um, the most severe uh, in America, there, there was and is tremendous racial injustice. Right, you're talking about systemic injustice, but we want to, um, but we want to distinguish two things under under systemic injustice. There's um, past injustices that have lingering present effects. So, for example, black people were slaves, and there was uh, uh, segregation, and there was um, various discriminatory um, lending and taxation practices. Uh, that led to the fact that it was a lot more expensive for black people to live in a house or an apartment than white people, right? And this was true for a long time. Maybe it's still true, but suppose it's not. Suppose it's all, that's all been wiped out. And now uh, if you're a black guy and a white guy, there's not a difference in how much, yeah, and you're willing to pay the same amount of money or whatever. There's not a difference in how much your, your rent will be. All right, but you know, you're the grandkid or great grandkid of a white guy who was able to get his housing cheaper than a black guy and his grandkid or great grandkid um, didn't inherit as much money as you did as a result. Right? So um, there's the present injustices when they're present. There's still housing discrimination, say. And I think there still is um, in some places and kind of covertly, uh, covertly because it's against the law. And um, there's, Present discrimination, someone doesn't like blacks and that's why they don't hire you if you're black, right? Uh, is a different thing than the effects of past discrimination. And I think we want to disentangle them and not describe them all under the heading of institutional discrimination mm -hmm. or institutional racism. I do think there's issues of institutional things that we can talk about that are distinct, distinct a little bit from both of these things. Uh, if you're someone who runs an organization, for example, you, there can be a situation in which with no one intending to be unjust and with no particular person being unjust, the process can be uh, tilted or biased in some way that no one realizes that have effects that compound. So I think there, there can be things like that. Um, but I think they're distinct from the, the two kinds of things you talked about, subtle prejudices that persist and, and as well as overt ones and effects of past prejudice. But there are all kinds of reasons some people are richer than others through what their parents did. I mean, you are richer, forget racial discrimination, you're gonna be richer than someone else if your great grandfather you know, worked very hard and someone else's great grandfather was a shiftless bum. Uh, both of them, let's say, are white and had the same you know, opportunities in society. Uh, and then they each left whatever money they had to their kids and so forth. And some of it redounded upon you. Um, okay, well, you're richer than they are. You had an advantage in life in that respect. Um, I don't think there's anything unjust about that. Now, if the poverty of an individual person versus someone else's wealth is due to that person, one person having stolen it from the other, or uh, one person having been perfectly honest and fine, but living in a society where he wasn't exploited and someone else uh, had a lot of wealth expropriated from him, there's going to be an injustice in the past of the fact that you know, the grandkids, some are richer than others. But I think there has to be a statute of limitations on considering the justice of what you've inherited. Um, we are all heirs of a tremendous amount of positive and negative things that have happened if you go back in history. And everybody, including the most underprivileged person now, um, the person at the bottom of the intersectionality matrix who's got all, you know, is in the worse off group on 20 different uh, measures, but who lives in America, uh, most of these people are a lot better off than all but the pretty much anybody in Iran, or certainly all but the higher echelons of people in Iran, or anybody in North Korea, or anybody born in France in the year 1200, right? So yeah, you didn't earn the advantages that you have as a white man and a black woman didn't have them, but you also didn't earn the advantages that you have being born in 
you know, living in the 2000s in America versus living in, you know, Lebanon in the year 300 BC. I mean, there's just uh, lots of things that are unearned. The whole concept of earning applies uh, in a context when we understand that we each come into the world somewhere with some things easily at hand and other things not. And we can't, I think, treat it as an issue of injustice that there are differences in where and how we come into the world. Um, when there's an immediate, in recent time, injustice responsible for that, then I think that can and should be regarded as unjust and remedied. And people talk about, for example, um, um, reparations for slavery and various crimes against African Americans. And that too, I think, is a package of a lot of different things. There are some I think there probably ought to be reparations for. I mentioned um, tax, there were, there were apparently, I've read, you know, we have to check whether this is true, but there were allegations that various cities systematically inflated the tax on the property values in certain neighborhoods that were black neighborhoods and undervalued uh, the tax assessments in the white neighborhoods with the result that if you lived in these black neighborhoods, you paid more in taxes than the white, and this can be proven and shown, and, and that this was going on until like the 70s or 80s. If that's true, and that can be shown of a certain community, uh, and again, there are books alleging this, I, you know, I'm not in a position to know if it's true myself yet, but that ought to be investigated. And if that's true, and the kid or grandkid or whatever of the guy who was ripped off on his tax bill is around, they should be, their estate should be given that money. I think just as if somebody had money stolen from them, I don't think you can try to rectify it 200 years in the past or 150 years. But where the records are clear enough and we're talking about something that happened within the lifespan of existing people or their kids, I definitely think uh, things can be done about this. So I, I have a couple questions in that line of thinking, but I really want to also go back a bit to what you're talking about, your prediction of the concept of privilege causing issues or the concept as it's being used and also the whether or not life is competitive. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I know a lot of people who think it is competitive, but I think also there's a group that think it's comparative. So it's not that I'm getting ahead of you, but I'm getting further along my path quicker than you can get along your path. So it's almost as if my acceleration has an, a, a has an advantage over yours. So it's not that I'm trying to beat you, but you see that I'm getting further in my path than you can. Um, but so, yeah, can you tell me a bit more about your this view of the world as competitive or comparative and the yeah. idea of privilege? So take an actual case of injustice. You apply for a job and you don't get the job because um, you're not the right race. You're not the race that the person who's hiring prefers, whatever that is. Um, you're black and they, they prefer whites or they're whatever. Um, or take a case, um, you know, you're admitted to a, a college, but it, it just is because you're grandfather knew the grandfather of the admissions officer or so forth. Um, but take the case where you are um, better off because of it. Well, if you take the, um, zoom out from just looking at the one particular case. In the one particular case, you got something you wanted that you wouldn't have otherwise got. You got into this college where you didn't really deserve to be or whatever. And you know, usually you can't tell anyway. What would, what would have happened if it wasn't for the injustice, or even which way the injustice slants, because there's preferences for alumni, but you're not an alumni kid, but you are white, and you're, but you're not Asian, and the Asians have preferences against them. And you know, it's rare that you can tell um, exactly how all the unjust factors in this decision process impacted on me. Sometimes you can. But suppose you were favored, or you were disfavored, right? W would you therefore be worse off in a world in which this prejudice wasn't there? If we just look at this one decision, maybe sometimes you think that's true. But if you think about it, it's not a problem or viewed as a problem primarily because this one boss is racist, right? We'll find some other boss. He's just one guy. The problem is that we're in a world in which a lot of bosses are racist, let's say. A lot of bosses have this prejudice. 
So here you are a white guy who's favored by this. Are you better off because of it? Better off than what? Better off than if you were black? Yeah, that's true. Better off than if people were less unjust? That's what I think is wrong. That's not true. Injustice harms everyone. It harms some people, it's direct victims more. If you're in a racist society where blacks are viewed with suspicion and whites are not, you're better off being white than black. But whichever race you are, you're better off if the society's not like that. It's not like there are only so many apartments in the world, only so many jobs to be had, only so many seats at the good colleges, right? All of these things can be expanded. There were no good colleges, no jobs, no seats anywhere when we were in the Stone Age, and now there are tons of them, and there could be tons more. What enables there to be more things? People being productive, rational, thoughtful, creating values. And that is a process that's aided by people judging people fairly and accurately and on their merits, and that's hindered by people being unjust. And, you know, you're way better off if you're someone who, who's a basically good person, who's w willing to work, thoughtful, productive, rational, cares about what's good, you're way better off in a world where other people are employing just standards than you are in a world where other people are being unjust in a way that favors you at the expense of someone else. It is I, not good to be, again, you're, you're perhaps better off than if you were the disfavored group if you were the victim of the prejudice, but the prejudice in a secondary way victimizes everyone. I mean, think about it in a way that should be obvious with prejudices that have ended or are on their way to ending, right? Like, you know, if uh, you're not Irish, are you like, man, those were the days when the Irish were put down and everybody knew who was Irish and they didn't like them and they wouldn't want them to apply for jobs. Think of, you know, there's an Irish guy who got a job I wanted once. If we were still in the days of Irish need not apply, I would have had it. That is ridiculous. You're way better off that we don't have Irish people persecuted. No one wants to go back to that. No one decent, right? And no one even thinks he'd be better off doing it. Now think about when, you know, women couldn't be educated. Um, you know, and think about, you know, oh, well, I'm a man. How great for me that women are kept, you know, ignorant. Uh, well, personally, I don't want to be around ignorant people. I've, you know, got a really well-educated wife, and that's why I like that she's smart and had the opportunity to develop her mind. Uh, I benefit also from the fact that she can make money, right, uh, because of the, her education. But I also, more importantly, just talking to her and being with her, and I love her and I care about her. And, that, and then think of then not just about the particular women in my life, um, but all the women who created you know, all the jobs and all the knowledge that was discovered by women that benefits my life that couldn't have been if women were persecuted and not allowed to get education. And uh, I'm, the, the amount that I gain from all of that, right, is just, I mean, orders of magnitude of orders of magnitude higher than the fact that the competition at a given college I might want to go to or job I want to get is twice as much now because there are women in addition to men going for it. And it's crazy to think otherwise. It's crazy to think you um, uh, would benefit from being in the kind of world where women were not allowed to be educated. Now, when the injustice is present tense, right, um, it's harder to see that. And when the injustice is such that there's a situation where you're favored over someone else and it's hard to see an alternative other than being in the disfavored group, it can be hard to find the way out of it. And it's hard to know in some of those cases what to do. I'll give you know kind of examples of that if you want. But um, the fact that the prejudice is there is not should not be seen by anyone as a good thing, even by the people who... Uh, who are not the victims and who are selected for rather than against by it. And if you start thinking about it as a good thing that you're in danger of losing, which is what happens when you think of it as you've got white privilege, right? When you start thinking of it that way, be careful, you might lose your white privilege and so forth. If, um, if you know, the police stop... Um, uh, 
you know, searching black people in situations where there's no reason to or whatever, and you wouldn't have gotten searched, right? Um, you don't want to lose that uh, and get treated like them. Uh, if you start thinking that way, it's really distortive. And it's going to make you uh, feel fear and hatred for the people who have been victims. And um, make you feel like you have something to lose by their stopping being victimized. But it's not true. You don't have anything to lose and you have everything to gain, not quite as much as they have to gain, but a damn lot from ending the system of injustice and victimization. So wherever these systems actually exist, we shouldn't think of them in terms of privilege. Uh, we shouldn't think of injustice in terms of privileges to the unjust, at least not primarily. We should think of it in terms of injustice to the victims. And then when we think about it that way, it makes it a lot easier and clearer to think about the actual cases. Are the police being unjust to black people in this neighborhood? Are they more likely to shoot them? Are they stopping and frisking them in the wrong, you know, uh, in ways they wouldn't to white people and it's wrong and it's not making anyone safer and it's making, creating all kinds of injustice for the black people and all kinds of social harms. You know, we can, in some of those cases, it's hard to tell and others it's easier to tell. But the right way to think about it is, is there injustice here? Not is someone privileged. So that I really appreciate that. And it really clarifies to me why this is such a kind of consistent issue, because it does seem to be two different views of the nature of life at odds. Is, is life like we all get ahead together or is life this competition where I need to get ahead and, and at the expense of you? Um, before we move on to the audience Q&A, I'll just take a quick poll um, of people. We'd like to know if... Actually, one other point I wanted to make if we have a chance before we do that? Or yeah, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll follow up a bit okay. more. I'm just going to take the poll and then we can okay. talk a little bit before we move. I just wanted to remind people uh, of the audience Q&A and we're just going to take a quick poll for those people on Zoom to get your, um, to understand how familiar, familiar you are with Ayn Rand's works. Um, but so I'll let you say your point, but I do have a question, a last question as well. So all of what you said makes a lot of sense to me and is well and good, but people I think would, you did touch on this point, but I think people will strongly push back that yes, you know, long-term in, in infinity, then yes, I should want just a more just society. But if I'm trying to get mine and you're trying to get yours and there's, you know, statistical evidence that the unjust, the, the injustices happen to, fall on black people more than white people. And I'm not, you know, one of the woke people actively trying to change that because I'm just living my white privileged life, right? I'm just, I'm focused on my life. I'm not focused on correcting it. Um, yes, it would be better for everyone if it was gone, but my life's pretty good. So if someone's, you know, theoretically starving or this is really impacting them, how can they get out of that mindset where no, like whitey's getting it because I'm, and I'm not. Well, the first is get rid of the because, because the because is just false. White people aren't doing well because black people are doing poorly in a situation where the black people are doing poorly. There are specific things, you know, the master of the plantation is, um, is, you know, living large because the slaves are doing the work and he's forcing them to do it. Uh, in, in the particular case like that was a particular explo exploiter, it's true. But in general, the um, richest people and the middle class people in American society uh, are not rich or comparatively rich because the poor are poor. If the poor people disappeared, it would not make the rich people richer, or sorry, it would not make the rich people poorer uh, or if they became richer, it would not make them poor. And if the poorest ones disappeared, it would not make the rich people richer, right? Uh, sorry, not make, it would not affect the rich. If, you know, if, if all the homeless people who are living in San Francisco um, vanished, it would not make the wealthy San Franciscans poorer. Their, uh, their wealth is not somehow on the backs of the homeless people. Right? Um, and if the homeless people improved their lot in life, it would help 
the better people in San Francisco, the richer people in San Francisco, the better off people. So it's not true that the poor are poor because the rich are rich, except in very specific situations where what the rich are doing is pillaging the poor. And then we want to know, well, why do we think it's a situation like that? How do we know? There are situations like that, but that's not the norm in human life. Uh, it's certainly not the norm in modern American life. And it's not the norm with respect to the relations between countries. Like America's wealthy because, um, because Venezuela is poor. Is mm. not true. So get rid of the because. Now, once you get rid of the because, that, that's the first thing to do for the, the person who's badly off. Because the because is false, it's unjust, and it will prevent him from being able to solve the problem. All he'll do is start railing against the wealthy in a way that will make him, or the allegedly privileged, uh, the people who aren't the victims of the injustice, in a way that will make them, whether properly or not, lead them to resent him. It's not going to help. Now, what if you are not the victim of it, but there is a real injustice going on? The first thing to recognize is that the injustice is of no positive value to you. You are not better off because of it, and so you don't have a stake in its perpetuation. That's really important to recognize, and it's important for the victims of the injustice that the people who are not victims of it recognize that. Because insofar as you think, or are led to think, you have a, something to gain from the perpetuation of, perpetuation of the injustice, it's going to motivate you to injustice, as long as you can't see your way out of that. Or at least motivate you to being someone who's, who's, not, who's either uh, fighting to maintain it, which is unjust, or not willing to list, lift a finger to stop it which is also sometimes unjust. So once you recognize, first, it's not a value to you that the injustice be, be um, your life is not better. You are not privileged, helped, uh, anything positive by the fact that there is racism if you're white. You're harmed by it, though not as much as you are by, as the people who are its victims are. Right? Um, so the second thing, first, recognize it's not a value to you. It's not helping you. Second, realize that it is harming you. You would be better off in a society that was more just. You would be better off if the racists around weren't racist. If you're a bit racist, you'd be better off if you were less so, right, or not at all. And likewise for sexist and a million other things. Um, now, once you recognize that it is a value to you to address and get rid of this injustice, then you are going to be willing to take action to do it. How much action? What type of action? Well, that's going to depend on a lot of things. It's going to depend on how big a value it is to you, uh, what actions are available to you to help to fix it? Um, and those are difficult questions, right? That the answers aren't obvious and they're going to be different for different injustices. But at least you're on the page of thinking about it now. You're somebody who's approachable, who, who, who's a potential ally, um, and you're better off being that way. The injustice is more likely to get corrected. And you're now on the team of people who are fighting it, even if you are, you know, a less um, active member of the team than some, and then how active a member you're going to be is going to depend on a whole lot of factors. Right. That clarifies it quite a lot. So thank you. Um, so now we're going to move on to the audience questions. And the first one is a good starting point. Now that we've talked about this for quite a while, are we able to define what is privilege? Are there any examples we can give as to what it actually... No, we should get rid of the concept. It's not a valid concept. It's not, we can say try to say what people mean by it, but what they mean is a mishmash of different things. So they mean um, there's the first package deal of um, values that some people have that other people don't have, mistakenly viewed as a power relation, even when it's not. So the original concept of priv the original bad concept of privilege even before we bring in racial privilege and so forth, right? The kind of Marxist, Marxian kind of concept is a package dealing of any value that some people have and other people lack and a difference of political status, which makes you see that value as a power relation. And so it's in effect a position in a political hierarchy packaged together with equality and wealth. And that is an invalid concept, so we shouldn't use it. Now, then what we add to it is two things that are added in the current discussion of privilege, right? One is it's not just um, wealth differentials we do this with, but um, any of the ways in which you have it easier because you're not a victim of or aren't descended from and victims of uh, injustice based on race, based on sex, based on sexual orientation, or any of the other 
vectors in which there's injustice. That should not be packaged together with what's already an invalid concept to begin with. And it would, um, so the thing to think about is victim of injustice or non-victim of injustice or perpetrator of injustice. All right. So this leads well into the next question, which is you, you've mentioned a couple of times the term package deal. Can you give a bit more clarity for people who aren't familiar with that term yeah, and a, any additional examples of why privileges, although you did just outline it? A package deal is where you group things together as though they are the same, as though the similarities between them are essential and they ought to be categorized, categorized together to learn about them and to make decisions about them. You group things together that way when they're too different to belong together that way. Everything has some kind of superficial similarities to everything else. And so you can group things together on all kinds of bases. But some of them are informative. They capture deep similarities between the things that are um, useful and promote good thinking. Promote thinking that will enable you to learn more about the things and make good decisions about them. And others are destructive to that. And a package deal is putting together and thinking things that don't belong together. Like, for example, political status and how much money you have. Great. On the grounds that they're both good and different from one person to the other. Great. Thank you. Um, so now we have a question from YouTube. If an earned advantage is fair, then isn't an unearned advantage unfair? And isn't this what the term privilege is attempting to recognize and address? No. Um, first of all, what do we mean by advantage? Um, if you think of advantage over somebody, but it's just what are being called advantages in cases like this are in effect good things, good things to have, values. And the question is, is it fair to have a value when you earned it, therefore unfair to have a value when you didn't earn it? Um, it's unfair if you got it unfairly, that is from someone else who earned it against their will. But there are all kinds of things that can be of value to have that it's sort of accidental who has them. You were born in a warm climate and someone else was born in a cold climate. You were born in, um, in the 20th century and someone else was born in the 14th. Is it an unearned advantage you have over the person born in the 14th century? You weren't competing against them, so maybe you think, but then you're not competing against fundamentally in life the person who's born next door to you what you make out of life isn't how much you get beyond them, but how much you're able to achieve your values. So you don't, so the talk of advantages over them is kind of misleading. It's just values, useful things you have access to that they don't. And you have access to things for all kinds of reasons. Some of them are the, the issue of fair or unfair just doesn't apply to. It's not fair or unfair that I'm, um, Taller than some people and shorter than others. Stronger than some people and weaker than others. If I was starved and that's why I, I you know, I'm weak, then that's unfair. All right. Thank you. Um, so we have a question from Jim on Facebook. What is the relationship between privilege and rights? If I was privileged with good health and others weren't, then do they have a right to be provided healthcare to make up for the difference? Well, there's the concept privilege that's used in that kind of statement where you compare, compare them is invalid. There are valid uses of the word privilege, like the privileges and immunities of citizens of a country and so forth, um, where it means um, good things that one has access to by virtue of being a citizen. And we can talk about the relationship uh, between privileges and rights in that sense in the constitutional language and so forth. But you're not privileged with good health. It's just good to be healthy and you are, and that's great. And that doesn't give anyone, uh, it's not, there's no injustice, there's no issue of justice. Other than that it would be unjust to try to sacrifice you to someone or them to you. All right, um, thank you. The, we have a question from Zoo, on Zoom. Are employment quotas for minorities an instance in which the government has tried to fight, quote, privilege? Um, well, there are two kinds of affirmative action or quota type programs. There are two contexts you can come up. It could come up in the context of a, a private employer 
or it can come up in the context of the government doing it. It can come up in the context of the government trying to impose it on private employers or impose it on ones that work with the government. So I think we, we have to, uh, if we're thinking of it from a rights perspective, really differentiate government action from private action here. Um, and then also it can come up in the, in the context of something like employment or in the context of something like education. Um, the question is, are people trying to fight privilege or, or even things out by these? Yeah, that's what they're doing. That's what they say they're doing. Is it right to do? Um, in general, not. And I think almost always in specific, not. But there are cases where we can think about it. Um, uh, certainly where it's done by quotas, is they can, it's, even in the cases where there's something to be done, it's far too coarse a tool for it. Um, in, in the employment case, if there's a job to be done by a private company or by a government, what they ought to be doing is looking for who could best do the job, that there's a reason why they're hiring to do this job. And um, that's what they ought to be looking for. And I think that really has to be the dominant consideration and really the only consideration. Now, there might be reasons to think that the job would be done better if we had a more diverse, um, a more diverse along some spectrum, uh, a workforce. There are, you know, cases where that's true, uh, and it might not be obvious that it's true, but it is true. You know, um, it is true, and so there might be reasons to try to address that. There might be, for example, you're trying to sell something and you're not able to sell it in a certain community because you don't have anybody among your salespeople who knows well about that community. And moreover, on your design team, you don't have anybody uh, with this kind of background, and so you're unaware of what problems need solving there and unable to create products that do it. And you might think, you know, boy, we need some Spanish-speaking people here, and we don't have any. Uh, and then that becomes part of what's needed to get the job done. I think there may be, you know, there are cases like that. But um, then it's not an issue of quotas. It's an, an issue of, you know, job requirements or desiderata for the job. Now, if you're talking about something other than a job, you're talking about something like education, for example. You're a school, and you have either scholarships you can give out to the school. And let's suppose you're a private school, for that matter. Um, you have either scholarships to give out or you admit people only who pay, but you have more people who want to go there than, you know, you have spots. And so you have to be selective and have an application process. The one thing you might think and might think is obviously true is that you should um, accept only the most talented applicants. But there I think you have to think about, well, why are you running a school? I mean, maybe, for example, your passion as an educator is to uh, not help the most talented. You think there is a lot of good schools that help people develop their talent. What you're really good at is addressing certain kind of deficits people have. Or maybe you have a niche at helping educate people of a certain kind and that what differentiates your product and what you're passionate about making is, you know, uh, educating people in with this kind of background or this kind of thing. Uh, and also maybe you think that the... Um, a big part of the education or what's accomplished by the education or the kind of education you want to, uh, you want to have, uh, you want to provide is, um, has to do with people interacting with people and uh, with other people and um, with you know, the kind of community you're creating among the students. And you might think that having a community that's diverse along certain spectra or undiverse along certain spectra is useful in your uh, educational approach. So you might think, you know, um, we want all bilingual children in this school uh, or all children who have some connection to the African diaspora historically, or, you know, it, whether these are good educational philosophies or approaches you have to think about, and maybe some are and some aren't, and maybe you think we want to um, have a school that's um, part of what we want to accomplish educationally involves building networks and people from very different backgrounds. We want to have rich and poor and women and men and gay and straight or black and white. Uh, so I think the criteria for enrollment in something like a school, something where they're not coming in to do a job, but to, you know, receive a service in effect. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the particular project and values of that institution. And that's what they should be selecting on. And often very good, criteria for a lot of schools is whoever's the most capable should be the student, but maybe not all the schools. It depends on what they're, you know, what they're about. Okay. Thank you. Hopefully that answers the 
person's question. And so we have another question from Zoom. What is the end goal of people who keep pushing this concept of privilege in the culture? I think the goal is the goal of, in general, tribalists, right? There's a, a kind of mentality where I don't think they, they see that this is erasing something good and promoting injustice. I think they're in a kind of worldview where there is no justice. There is only, uh, there are no principles, right? There are only competing groups and tribes. And they want to invade on behalf of some tribes, some groups, some collectives that they feel have been treated unjustly. And they want to strike back against the other tribes uh, by making, using altruism in particular to make them feel bad about the respects in which um, they have advantages that the tribe that's presenting itself as victim does not. And they think that by uh, doing this, they will be able to you know, bring down the successful tribe and supplant it. Or they hope to do that, or they just are full of rage at the people who they think are ahead of them which they interpret as causes of their uh, problems. And um, in some cases, it's a kind of confusion based on there are real injustices that they're suffering from, and they've misconceptualized it into hatred of, of other people who are doing better. Or maybe some of those other people are authors of the injustice, but they've misconceptualized what's wrong with them. And in other cases, they're people who are driven primarily by nihilism. And so and it's not only, you know, on, I mean, you, you find this kind of, victim narrative uh, all over the place across most lines politically it kind of was a big deal and still is a big deal on the political left but you have i mean it on the political right now um the, the there's a whole lot of talking about the you know non-college educated white working class right that's another tribe that's meant to be put upon that people have privileges against um and, and so that, that's seen as conservative right in uh, one minute or less, can you tell people listening who don't think privilege is real or the concept as it's used is valid, what are the main ways they can sort of fight back? Because the ones that I see most people, the, the, the way I see most people trying to fight this isn't working. Yeah, there are two issues. Don't feel guilty for things you haven't done. Don't feel guilty for ways in which you have it better than other people. And don't accept that injustices against other people, uh, neither feel guilty nor proud of injustices that are done against other people that aren't done to you, recognize them as bad for you. And I want to mention just one other type of thing that goes into the issue of privilege that's different than where the people are accused of having privilege with, with respect to, that's different from an injustice, uh, but it, it feeds into it. There's, this goes to the obliviousness point. There are all kinds of respects in which it's easy to be the way most people in your environment are, and there are added difficulties for you if you're different. This is true if the difference or similarity is totally morally irrelevant, like you're left-handed and most people are right-handed, um, or if it's morally relevant, you're an atheist and most people around you are, are theists. And I think being an atheist is morally better than being a theist, right? Or if you're of a religious minority, or if your name is spelled an uncommon way compared to how most people would spell that name. Or if you eat an unusual diet compared to other people around you, either if you eat it for a bad reason, um, maybe some belief you hold about morality that's wrong, or you know, you're, you have celiac disease or something and you can't eat wheat or whatever it is, or you speak a different language. If you have something different about you, there are all kinds of sort of economies of scale in life that don't apply to you the same way. There are all kinds of things that are set a certain way as the default that you then have to make a change for. And there are kind of costs and difficulties uh, in, inherent in that. There's nothing unfair about that, but it's true. Uh, and then it's compounded when the difficulties you face are due to injustice. But there's also the fact that if you're somebody who is in, in the majority group, the group that the defaults apply to, you're straight rather than gay, you're right-handed rather than left-handed, 
you have the dominant ideas on a certain thing rather than a minority idea on a certain subject, whatever the issue might be. Um, it is worth noting that fact, that you're in the majority here, that there are certain economies of scale and factors of ease that apply to you that don't apply to the other person. And that in this respect, the other person has it more difficult than you. Um, and that fact then becomes an important fact to keep in mind when judging them. And it's possible to be unjust by not recognizing that. You think somebody's fussy and you don't like them because they're very demanding about what restaurant you go to when you go out to eat. They don't want pizza and what's wrong with them, they won't go. To well, the problem is they can't eat wheat and they're gonna get really sick and you've never had to deal with that. So, you know, stop being a jerk, right? So um, there's an issue where you can be unjust by not recognizing this. You could also be unjust even if you've had no hand in an injustice by failing to recognize that um, that there are people who are victims of injustice and they, they do have a legitimate grievance, even if it's not the grievance they think they do sometimes. So if you're pushing back against issues of privilege, there's often a, um, you can push back in the wrong ways by denying that there are respects in which you have it better than other people when you really do. Um, but you, they are misappreciating the moral relevance of that and you are too by denying that there are injustices when there are really injustices, by treating, as though, by treating it as though there would have to be an injustice for there to be a salient difference, when that's not true. Maybe there's no injustice here. It's just that this guy's got an obstacle you don't have, and you should recognize that. Um, and so, you know, part of justice is recognizing those things and accounting for them when you evaluate people, not sacrificing for them, but just recognizing oh, what I interpreted as rudeness was this or whatever. Um, there's that fact. And then recognizing that injustice has no value for you. And then if somebody is concerned about privilege or tells you to check your privilege, don't accept the package deal. And don't necessarily blame them for it because they probably didn't author it. Think what's going on here. Is there an actual injustice this person is concerned about? And can I reframe the issue? Am I concerned about it too, or should I be? And can I reframe the issue in terms of it? Or are they using this um, to try to make me feel guilty about or responsible for something I shouldn't be? Uh, and then can I respond to that in a way that doesn't deny whatever legitimate issues there might also be that some other people are running out? So untangle the package deal and think about what's going on. Is there an injustice here? Is there a difference in which I have a benefit somebody else lacks that should be understood, but may not be unjust. Um, you know, what's go or is there nothing of any of these sorts going on? I mean, great, thank you. I, that is a great note to end on. And I think it really kind of captures the, the proper way to think about this and to approach it generally. Um, so I wanna apologize if we didn't get to your question, there was a lot, but hopefully we'll be able to have an opportunity to talk about this further, because um, it's very interesting to me. And I think this is, there's very few places that talk about it um, properly, in my opinion. So we're just going to go to some suggested readings. If people do want to find out more about this topic, can you run quickly through um, some of these suggested readings? Yeah, these are in particular readings related to objectivism um, uh, uh, because this is the Ayn Rand Institute and they're related to mostly issues of, of race in objectivism, um, cases where this has come up and tribalism. Uh, there are a lot of other things to read on issues of the various types of injustices that are or have been in our in our society. Um, so the articles, Racism, Global Balkanization, and Representation Without Authorization by Ayn Rand all deal in different ways with racism or tribalism, the idea that you're members of groups that are inherently in a zero-sum competition. Uh, there's also some good discussion of race issues on Ayn Rand Answers, pages 102 to 106. That's a book of her Q&A. There's a particularly interesting discussion. I think it's on those pages, but if not, it's elsewhere in that book of race in the context of the television program Roots, which I think is really good. Uh, the Compan a Companion to Ayn Rand is a book that I edited on Ayn Rand's philosophy and writing. Chapter 11 is about epistemology and includes some discussion of package deals in it. Uh, chapter 13 is about her views on um, the uh, the culture and the times in which she lived and include some discussion of tribalism and race relations issues. Uh, chapter 13, 11 is by me and chapter 13 is co-written by me and, and the late John David Lewis. Um, I mentioned, by the way, this isn't one of these recommendations, but I mentioned um, 
the housing taxation discrimination issues and so forth. There's a, a useful book, uh, I forget the name of the author, called The Color of Law, that talks about um, some of the racial disparities and even recent laws that are responsible for some of the wealth gap issues, or at least allegedly, uh, between black and white families. And I think that book is worth looking at to, um, I'm not sure that everything said in it is true, right? I haven't checked up the research, but it's interesting and it kind of broadens your mind a little bit about the different ways in which non-government policies that might not obviously be doing this um, have been uh, unjust along racial lines. Great, thank you. Um, and as a reminder, this is part of a weekly series. Next week, I will not be joining uh, Aaron Smith, but he will be presenting on what should society do about the poor. Uh, so definitely you can register at courses.einrand.org slash webinars uh, to tune in to that on Zoom, or you can watch it on any of the other social media channels. And if you have any broader questions that you'd like to ask and have us do a full hour on, please email us at webinars at einrand.org. And I'll remind people again, it's the Ayn Rand Institute on YouTube to watch it and facebook.com slash philosophy for living on earth to view clips and uh, engage with the webinar series. So thanks everyone for tuning in and thank you, Dr. Salmieri. Thank you.